2: Hello, folks, and good afternoon. This is Steve Moore. This is The More Money Show, and this is Talk Radio WABC, the number one talk radio station in the East United States. And so thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, our ratings are fantastic, and it's because we have so many uh, regulars who are listeners to the show. And if you're new to the show, we talk about the intersection of the economy and your finances and wall street uh it's uh how how you can make money and how you can follow what is going on in washington and in the states with respect to this uh this 22 trillion dollar economy that we have in the united states of america now i want to start by the way i am going to be taking your question starting at the bottom of the hour i've decided i'm going to not have a guess prior to i am going to basically have your questions and comments about how you feel, what's going on in the economy. Now, here is my quick take on things, because this was a big week for the news on the economy. And one of the biggest announcements, as most of you know, was that the Labor Department says that inflation for the year of 2022 was 6.5%. Now, I wonder – it's interesting because I wrote my column for Fox Business News yesterday on on this inflation issue – and uh people kept saying why are you why are you repeating this claim that inflation's only six and a half percent because americans many many Americans feel like the inflation rate's a lot more than six and a half percent for the essential things that you have to buy and I wonder if you're if you believe that number of six and a half percent inflation i I kind of personally feel like it was a lot worse than that um, now here's the other thing the initial uh these official data are telling us that since um, Biden came into office, which was almost exactly two years ago. Um, the inflation rate has been thirteen percent over that two year period. In other words, most everything you buy is at least thirteen percent more expensive on average than it was when trump left office that's a that 's a huge increase, and people always ask me you know uh, is how do how does that happen?" That that these prices go up so much, and and the answer, of course, is very simple. That when you have a United States government uh, under Biden that's spent four trillion dollars we don't have and keep, continues to pump all this money into the economy, then that's going to cause inflation. And it was pretty obvious it would. I love this. I've mentioned this before, but there were 14 Nobel Prize economists who said last year, oh, don't worry, all this spending won't cause inflation. Well, it did set off inflation. We had a high of inflation 9.1% in the summer of 2022 uh, just six months ago. Now, the good news and bad news is this. The good news is the inflation rate is receding. There's no question that we're starting to see the inflation rate come down. Um, from the 9, 8, 7% range it was for most of the first half of this year to now I, I estimate we're somewhere between 4 to 5% inflation right now kind of going forward. Now, that's still way above the 2% inflation target that the Fed has. And part of the success in bringing the inflation rate down has been due to these rate hikes by the Fed. But the problem is those rate hikes suck some of the oxygen out of the economy. They suck the excess money out, but they also suck the oxygen out. And I wonder if you think I want to uh, put this one out as a question as well to my listeners, and I want you to call in on the More Money Hotline, one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 848 9222 and tell me if you agree with this that – that maybe the Fed is going to go too far in raising rates in 2023. And I'd like to pose that question. I don't know the answer to it. I think we've got to get inflation to continue to go down, um, and that may take one or two more uh, increases in the federal funds rate. However, on the other side of that equation, folks, is that uh, inflation does seem to be coming down pretty quickly, and some people are concerned that we're going to overshoot and continue to raise interest rates and throw the economy into a recession. So those are the two dueling ways of looking at the world right now. My feeling is, I'll give you my bias on this. I think rather than the Fed raising interest rates, I think the best way to get that inflation rate down back down to two percent is for the United States government to stop spending so much money and put in place a balanced budget, put in place real cuts in government spending right now. Um, Make sure that our tax code is something that as is (laughs) pro-growth. And you do those kinds of things and you'll have a a much better situation with respect to the economy and inflation. So we officially have six and a half percent inflation right now. When Trump left office, the inflation rate was 1.5%. And I found it almost comical, I don't know if you saw this, folks, that Joe Biden had a big victory celebration at the White House because inflation was, quote, only 6.5% this past year. And see what I'm doing, he said, I'm bringing inflation down. Now, that's a kind of rich assessment because (laughs) – the inflation started because of Biden's policies. In other words, what he did is he created this crisis with massive inflation, and now he's trying to claim credit for the crisis not being as bad as it was six months ago, when in fact you know, it, it's almost like what, – remember what he said on the debt and the deficit a few weeks ago, where he said, I'm a champion of deficit reduction. He said, I brought the uh, budget deficit down by $1 trillion this year, that, that last year. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. You know what he did? I mean, this is how you lie with statistics. Biden came in in his first year, which was 2021, and we had the largest deficit ever in the history of the country. It was like $2.5 trillion we borrowed in Biden's first year. This year, uh, for 2022, the official number is something like close to $1.5 trillion of borrowing. So those are two of the largest increases in our debt, in American history, even adjusted for inflation. And what he's doing is saying, well, look, I massively increased the debt by $2.5 trillion in 2021, and I brought that all the way down to $1.5 trillion this year, when in fact, (laughs) that's still one of the highest levels of debt ever. Uh, I also want to discuss with you this issue, folks, because it is something that divides uh, many conservatives and free market people um, down the middle, and that is the question of, do we need to be spending $850 billion a year on our military? You know, we have uh, a military that spends more money than the other three or four top countries combined. So we do have an enormous military. Um, now, China, of course, is a real threat to our security. And there are other countries like Iran out there that are that are in Russia, of course, that are um, enemies and that are dangerous. But do we need a near trillion dollar pentagon budget and i ask that because if we're going to get cuts in spending uh, in the upcoming years which is so important we've got to cut government spending republicans are going to have to agree to cut some spending out of the defense budget not just and look i'm for cutting the social welfare programs as much as we can but the democrats will only go along with that if there's a reduction in the military budget too and so what's happening now is The reason Republicans agreed to that absurd omnibus, I call it the omnibus bill they passed before the end of the year last year, was that um, they wanted to lock in these huge increases in spending in all of these future years. And now it's time to start taking a hatchet to all of that excessive spending um, to bring down the debt, which would mean that the, the Federal Reserve Board would not have to raise interest rates, because right now the housing market has really gotten killed by these higher mortgage interest rates. So we're in a quandary right now as a country. I see that two thirds of the economists now think that we're headed to a soft recession. I don't you know, I don't think that economists are pretty good predictors of this. But I'll say this, that we can't stay on the path we're on right now, folks. We're borrowing one and a half to two trillion dollars a year. We've seen – when I came to Washington in 1984, the national debt was about $1.5 trillion. Now it's $31.5 trillion. Can you believe that? I mean, this, that we're just loading up with debt and spending year after year after year after year. And the job of these Republicans is to bring this budget down because I assure you folks, if they can get a deal – and I'm with Larry Kudlow. He was talking about that on the show earlier. The Republicans have to hold firm on the debt ceiling uh, vote and say we're not voting to raise the debt ceiling until Joe Biden and the Democrats will agree to some package of spending cuts. Now, Republicans aren't going to get everything they want, but they have to say, look, the bottom line is we've got to cut at least a trillion dollars over the next 10 years uh, out of this budget to reduce this. Because, look, we're going over a financial cliff. It's like you can see the train. It's like a bullet train headed right over a cliff. It's going to crash, and we can see it happening, but we can't seem to slow it down. And that's the job of these uh, Republicans who now hold the House. And I'm very happy to say, say that Kevin McCarthy, I think, is off to a good start as Speaker of the House. He has a, a very narrow majority, so he has to hold all the troops together. That ain't easy. It's like, uh, what's the old saying, that being uh, ways, means, I mean, the, uh, the uh, Speaker of the House is like trying to herd cats. And, and there's a lot of truth to that, but I think he's doing a good job right now. So I'm nervous about this economy. I, I do think that the debt is becoming an albatross around our neck. I'm going to uh, ask you all that same question. Just as a reminder, the More Money Hotline number is 1-800-848-9222. But in our next section, we're going to hear from uh, the Pains, from Payne Capital Management to tell us what's happening with your money. I'm Steve Moore, and this is the More Money Show.
0: Talk.
3: So, Chris, you know, given that our firm, Paying Capital Management, you know, of course, that's P A Y N E, uh, our boutique firm where we pretty much focus on financial planning, I'd say about 60% of our clients are, I'd say, in that baby boomer category where they're very close to retirement, retired now. Yeah, then we could talk about some of the differences that, you know, we're going to experience in retirement today that our parents didn't necessarily have to deal with back in the day. It was like a much more simpler world uh, when it comes to the complex world of retirement.
4: Yeah, exactly, Ryan. You know, the first thing is, is, is it okay to work beyond the age of 65? You know, Ryan, a boy, a boy can hope. You know, I was kind of hoping to retire at 50 and you just run the firm, but, you know, <laughs> uh, wishful thinking, I think. But, you know, one of the things I've noticed, especially with my clients that are retired, is that actually most of them have worked uh, beyond 65, and it's not because they have to. It's just that they found something that they love so much uh, that they want to continue doing it.
3: Yeah, no, you find that a lot. Um, but I think it becomes after age 65 a lot of times, are you working because you want to or because you have to, right? And in some cases, because your know, longevity is so much longer, I mean, we run our projections out to eat at least age 90. Your parents' generation, they just didn't have to think about that, right? Because, I mean, you could be retired for, in some cases, 25, 30 years. Sometimes it's nice to have that supplemental income just to push out uh, that retirement even further or making sure that your money's going to last longer. But, you know, the bottom line is, too, I mean, the question becomes, you know, is there, is there a time when you're financially independent where you're working because you want to and not because you have to? And I would say for a lot of our clients, the ones that are working because they want to at a certain stage and they know they can pack it up are in the best place.
4: Yeah, I agree, right. And, you know, it becomes, it, to your point, it becomes a question versus have to versus want to. And I think what it comes down to It's just having a really good financial plan. You know, so I'm saying to all of our audience out there, if you haven't got your financial plan together, you know, now's really the time to do it. You don't want to wait on it. You know, you want to know, based on what you're saving today, how much you're making, you know, are you going to have to work beyond 65? Uh, Because ideally, you know, again, it's going to be something that you're going to want to do, not have to do.
3: Yeah, and I think it's more complex today because there's just so many more variables that you have to account for, right? I mean, the big one is, so it's that good news, bad news. If you're living longer, well, that means there's probably a higher chance you're going to have more medical expenses. So, you know, we've got to be able to actually account for ballooning healthcare costs in your portfolio. And I always ask this question when we run projections or like, if your portfolio took a hundred thousand dollar hit because of healthcare expenses, is that going to derail your retirement? Right. So you really have an understanding of uh, what some of those ancillary expenses are going to be that come up. If you're going to be living longer and if you're retired longer, um, you know, medical is going to be one of the biggest issues that you've got to address.
4: Yeah, that's true. And as a matter of fact, right now, uh, when I run projections for our clients, Rye, I include about 245000 in unanticipated healthcare expenses just based on what nursing homes are costing today and then, you know, inevitably going into some kind of assisted living or even skilled care.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing how much all of this can cost. And on top of that, especially if you're retiring soon, is, I mean, we're dealing with 40-year high inflation, right? So cost of living now is going up exponentially. And the other question you have to ask yourself is, is inflation actually factored into my retirement plan? It's kind of a buzzkill, right? But if you look at it, whatever you need to live on today It's going to double over the next 20 years. So that means if you're 65 today, you're looking to retire, and you need $10,000 a month to live on, you're going to need $20,000 a month at, at age 85 just to do the same things, right? So it gets really, really complicated and really expensive really quickly. So I think the question you want to ask yourself is, am I factoring in every variable? Am I throwing the kitchen sink at my retirement plan?
4: Yeah, that's a good point, Ryan. And, you know, one of the things, too, that you don't really think about is, is, is retirement going to be more expensive than when I was working? Uh, a lot of times what I find is that my clients are traveling more. Um, they're spoiling their grandkids, as we've seen with dad. Um, you know, they're, yeah. doing, they're doing way more things that cost way more money to fill that time when they're not working. Um, and as a matter of fact, I talked to a client of mine the other day, and he made the point. He said, you know, Chris, I'm so busy now and doing the things that I want to do, I don't know how I had time to work.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's that's something we hear all the time because I think a lot of the rule of thumbs or a lot of the calculations assume you're going to spend about 85% of what you're spending when you're working, and we're finding that's just not the case, right? There's those expenses or that you don't have when you are working you find to spend on something else, whether it's great trips, like you said, spoiling your grandkids. So I think you've got to plan for more, not less, in retirement, and I think that's one of the bigger mistakes or the biggest flaws we see in a lot of your financial plans right now.
4: All those expenses. Now the big question is how do you pay for everything? Um, And is your portfolio properly allocated uh, to meet those goals, especially given like a year like we had last year, you know, where the S&P 500 was down 22%, the question you have to ask yourself is, is my portfolio more geared towards growth where those swings in the market are going to have a much more substantial impact? Or is your portfolio more geared towards income, you know, where those swings aren't so hard-hitting? And you have more of a dependable income from your interest and dividends.
3: Yeah, well, it's a huge problem because we've met with a lot of people last year that didn't know they had all this underlying risk in their portfolio, right? In some cases, you would have been down like 30%. And, you know, a big hit like that in your portfolio, again, if you need this money to last for like 30 years, that can be really, really problematic. So I think the one question you have to ask yourself again is kind of like, okay, do I have a wealth accumulation portfolio or what we call wealth distribution portfolio? Because if you were diversified last year, if you had a properly uh, a diversified portfolio that had a lot of income, like you said, Christine, you didn't go down that much. But most importantly, no matter if the market was up or down, and last year it was down, that income was still coming in repeatedly. And that's what you have to build your portfolio to look like. It's like you need a repeatable income stream that's not contingent upon is the market going to go up this year? Is the market going to go down? Are we going to go into recession this year? You know, it's really got to be like kind of a recession market-proof portfolio. I can tell you for the 50 or so portfolios we review a month, most of you don't have that wealth distribution portfolio. You still have that that growth portfolio that was great when you're 40, but when you get into your 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know, you really got to move away from that portfolio because, you know, when the shoe actually does drop, well – You know, it's really, really, you don't have the time to make it up. The stakes are just so much higher.
4: And there's also a mental aspect to it, too. You know, seeing your portfolio, to your point, in some cases, you know, a lot of folks out there, their portfolios drop 30% on a million-dollar portfolio. That's $300,000. And you got to think about how that's going to make you feel. So, you know, really the first step you want to take when looking at income is like, okay, when I retire, what are my income sources? Am I going to have Social Security? Am I going to have a pension? And then you want to look at, okay, based on the way my portfolio is allocated today, is my portfolio going to be able to make up from that, from the income that it's producing?
3: Yeah, no, 100%. And you're thinking to yourself right now, like, this is the plan that I need. I get hit hard last year. I, you know, I have no income plan for retirement. I'm not factoring in inflation and longevity. Well, here's your shot to do it. We still have about five slots left. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, myself and Chris will run for you Are now famous Total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we literally look at everything. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We go as far as building you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, and we'll just hone in on every issue you need to address today. You need an income plan for retirement. You need to figure out how you're going to draw from your portfolio without running out of money. How do you take Social Security? How do you factor in inflation? We're going to put together a full income plan to make sure you don't run out of money over the rest of your life. We're going to look at diversification. Were you allocated too aggressively last year and didn't even realize it? Did your portfolio get hit hard? Or have you been sitting with way too much money in cash, earning very little as we're sitting at a 40-year high in inflation? We're going to put together a full diversified investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life, and we're going to look at fees and taxes. Portfolios that are built by Wall Street, they just love to have high-cost products that are very tax inefficient. And those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, we're going to go through every investment you own, a deep dive, show you where all the hidden costs are, show you how to reduce the cost on your portfolio, and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. We're going to give you our full tax playbook. We have five slots left. If you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, if you call or text us right now at 844-752-6692, that's 844-752-6692. If you call or text, you've saved over a million dollars. We have five slots left at 844-752-6692. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844 A N N Y C. nyc That's 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, and if you want to learn more about myself and Chris, our firm, Payne Capital Management, that's P-A-Y-N-E. We're a boutique firm here in New York City. Simply go to BeBullish.com. That's BeBullish.com. You can learn more about our firm. You can check out our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way.
5: Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows.
1: This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back,
2: folks. This is the More Money Show on Talk Radio WABC, the number one talk radio station in the United States. And now it is time for our financial analysis section where we have normally Ryan and Bob Payne, but today we have Ryan and Chris Payne. There's just so many Payne's out there. Uh, Gentlemen, (laughs) thanks for joining this week.
3: Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having us. Happy New Year.
2: And, you too. uh Looking forward to a good one, man. Okay, so Chris, uh, how is your relationship with your brother?
4: You know, it depends on the day, Steve. You know, usually uh, usually when Ryan's not picking on me, we get along pretty well, but, you know, he is my big brother. So, you know, from time to time, as you can imagine, you know, I, Ryan, likes to, I, Ryan likes to pick I, a little bit.
2: Well, I can relate. I actually had two older brothers. So, anyway, let's right get uh, get right down to it and the markets. And uh, boy, uh, we had some really good news on the economy this week—a reduction in unemployment claims. At the same time, we had a reduction in inflation. So, Ryan, it looks like the economy may be moving into a new uh, kind of normal of uh, of uh, you know tamer inflation and maybe some a little a little bit more growth. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think it's the year of relief, right? Last year we really had inflation ratcheting up all the way into the summer. Um and now since the summer, uh when we had the peak inflation, we've really seen it come down a lot. So the numbers were good this week. Um, but I think it's more remarkable is, you know, what the Fed might even do and no one really expected this is is navigate that soft landing. Uh right. that all the economists and strategists told us we weren't going to get, Steve, uh, that you and I were suspect about, but I mean, look, you had Employment was great. The number was great last week, yet wages went up slower, which means inflationary pressure has come down a little bit. Right. Um, all mm-hmm. the inflation numbers hit target this week. So I just think of the strong labor market, and, you know, on top of that, people still have a little bit of stimulus left, and, you know, they're feeling good. And if prices continue to come down this year, I mean, this could be, yeah, like I like I think you hit the nail on the head, this could be a year of growth, and I think the market's telling you that.
2: So, uh, Chris, um, the Fed raised rates, I think, six or maybe even seven times in 2022 to tame this inflation. I mean, it looks like they've been able to do that. Do you have any opinion on whether we need – now, I must say, you know, I have uh, about 30 economists who I work with uh, whose opinions I respect throughout the country. And I'd say at least half of them say they're worried about the Fed rate, cause, you know, raising rates too much rather than too little. What's your opinion on that?
4: Yeah, I, I think uh, I think I agree with, you know, especially with Ryan said, you know, we're probably going to get a soft landing here. And I think really what the Fed's going to have to do is they're going to have to come up with a really creative way to pivot uh-huh. and say, okay, you know, we've done our job, we're getting a soft landing, you know, now we're going to have to start thinking about reducing rates.
2: I was just looking at the numbers, and we reported this in our hotline on Friday, the big reduction in the rate of growth of M2. So there's less money sloshing around in the economy than there has been in the last couple of years with all that, you know, fiscal so-called stimulus spending. So, Ryan, what do you make of that?
3: Yeah, there's a high correlation between uh, negative money supply uh, growth is what we're seeing right now uh, and what happens with inflation. So the fact that we had record money supply Uh, You know, just a year and a half, two years ago, and inflation went up astronomically, I think it's highly correlated to the fact, not to get too wonky, uh, that inflation is coming down. And we know the housing market, which is the biggest component of the inflation number, has just come to a screeching halt with higher interest rates, higher mortgage rates. So and that's not even computed yet into those uh, CPI numbers. But what what I question is, like, any of these economists you're talking to, why would they ever believe the Fed, Steve? <laughs> <You> know, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. completely pivoted their point of view before. Why can't they do it again? So I, I think the, well, for Chris's point. Right, great point.
2: And 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 you know, I think the real question that we're all kind of scratching our head, wondering about is, you know, should the Fed be done now? I mean, they're with when you look at what's happened with the money supply, really dropping significantly, one of the biggest drops in any single year in in decades. Uh, And uh, I'm not saying the inflation problem is over. We're still at about, you know, year over year, we're six and a half percent inflation. Probably in recent months, we're maybe down to four or five. But there's still room to get down to the two percent target. And my, my nervousness is that, you know, if you just suck the money out of the economy and you overdo it, then you can throw the economy into a recession. What do you guys think about that possibility?
3: Yeah, and an unnecessary recession, right? So I, right. I think I think right. that's the problem. But but I think the Fed, look, I don't think they want to put us into another recession um, in just three years, right? We had one during the pandemic. right? So so right. I suspect a lot of their talk is tough because they want to keep longer-term interest rates uh, tethered, which they are, right? If you look at the 10-year Treasury now, at 3.5%. So it's kind of like, you know, listen to what I'm doing, not what I'm saying. And I think what the bond market is right. telling you is the Fed's going to have to pivot. And I think their talk is tougher just to keep expectations lower. Yeah. But I think the reality of it is, like, I think, look, they're looking at the same data we're all looking at. Um, yeah, I don't know if the Fed is smart, but I think they aren't dumb enough to uh, to keep raising interest rates and try to put the economy into a tailspin. I don't think that's their their motive here.
2: I'm talking to uh, Chris and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. Ryan, uh, Ryan, can you remind our listeners how they can get the free consultation with Ryan Capital Management, I mean, with uh, Payne Capital Management? <laughs>
3: I wish it was Ryan Capital Management, but if you, uh, <laughs> if you call,
2: call or text
3: at 8... That was a our text we called,
2: and flip. <laughs>
3: <laughs> my narcissism came out. Uh, but if, if you do call or text at 844-752-6692, if you saved over a million dollars, Chris, myself, my father, Bob, our team will run through our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. That's 844-752-6692. You can call or text if you've saved over a million dollars
2: Steve. So, is your mom, or are there any grandkids involved in the firm?
3: <laughs> well, the first grandkid is only a year and a half, so he's groomed. <laughs>
4: but, we'll he okay. so <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you know what? He runs the show.
2: <laughs> I'm does. sure he does. He does run the show. Uh, so, okay, so Chris, um, you know, we just faced, as Ryan was saying, a brutal year for stocks with big losses for most investors. Now we have, it sounds like from Ryan, new opportunities, a kind of new normal. So, what do you like? What do, you, what do you tell in your clients?
4: Well, you know, I'm a huge fan of buying anything at a discount. And, uh, you know, as <laughs> I'm right. talking to my clients, you know, I think the, the most exciting thing for them is they're starting to see, you know, the big tech trade of the world start to, start to reduce in value, but I don't think that's where the value is at. I think the real value is in things like emerging markets, um, you know, U.S. large cap, mid cap, small cap stocks, uh, international looks really attractive. You know, everything that's, that's really cheap to buy but also pays a great dividend.
2: So when you say emerging markets, which ones?
4: Uh, All of them. You know, China's got a great value, Brazil, Russia, India. Well, not Russia. Uh (laughs) Take that back. Not Russia. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, like China especially, you know, very cheap. You know, again, paying great dividends.
2: Um, Now, as you mentioned, Ryan, housing took a walloping in the second half of 2022. What do you think of the housing market? What do you think of uh, REITs and other housing-related investments? Yeah,
3: I think REITs are good because REITs are kind of forward-looking, so they reprice pretty mm-hmm. quickly, especially public REITs. So um, real estate got hit last year very hard, obviously with the Fed raising interest rates. Uh, the real estate market was was heavily affected by that. So you know, as an investor looking at real estate investment trusts, which trade publicly, um, is a great place. Uh, to Chris, who just mentioned talking about great dividends. Now, the housing market, if you're looking to buy a home or sell your home yeah you know, I think prices are gonna to continue to come down because it's a lag, right? You get this standoff like you hear in New York right now, you're seeing uh, buyers don't want to pay the prices sellers want to right. sell at, and sellers are refusing to sell at the prices that buyers want. so I, I think at some point you're gonna to have to see a repricing. um It's right. just of a lag because that market's a little more illiquid. but I think anything publicly traded at this point, uh, you're already getting that discount, and that's a beautiful thing about markets is they reprice quickly. They do it in real time. They do it way ahead of the economy in the market. And now the fact that we're seeing the recovery in the market just says to me, this economy this year is not as bad as they told you, Steve. Uh, you know, the recession is probably not as big a risk as a lot of people have been
2: telling us. So, Chris, are you a homeowner?
4: No, I'm not. A, uh, unfortunately, we still rent. We're still trying to figure out where we want yeah.
2: to be. <laughs> so uh, when uh, Ryan says that, you know, there's a repricing, I, I assume you mean, Ryan, that prices still have some to come down after the, you know, huge bull rally in housing. Uh, what do you tell people who are looking at, uh, you know, buying a home? Is now a good time to do that as an investment and also as uh, to get the mortgage deduction and those kinds of things?
3: Yeah, I think you got to wait here, Steve. I think you know if if, if we think that peak inflations happen, which we do, um, and again the Fed at some point might have to pivot and, and actually cut rates. Uh, I suspect here you're going to see some more repricing in the housing market. So my, my guess is the buys are going to get better as the we'll year goes a along. While. Here,
2: yeah. A little yeah. long story short, li- yeah. Wait, wait a little while. Wait. Okay. So uh, we got to sum up here. I'm talking to the Payne brothers, not Payne, uh, Payne father and son, but. Uh, Chris and Ryan came today. Uh, so what do we do? We get in the market. Now is the time, gentlemen, to be in the market? Always. Always. Chris, you agree?
4: That was Chris. Yes, always. Yeah. I, I 100% uh, okay. agree. Yeah. He sounds like you, Ryan.
3: <laughs> we all sound, we, we all we sound, all sound alike. The same. That's the problem. <laughs> He's deeper voice. Yes. No, no, all 100% right. here. Look, you got to get invested. Okay. You know, market's clearly here. Okay. They're not settling down. They're settling up. Um, I think okay. the market's telling you economy is going to be stronger this year. Employment strong, inflation's coming down. It's a good time to put the, yeah, uh, you know, right. put the rosy card sunglasses on. The future is bright. Well, thank
2: you for that very optimistic assessment. I um, was talking <laughs> to Chris and Ryan Payne. I assume that. Uh, your dad will be back on the air again. I mean, I, I let him take one week off, but not two weeks off. Okay? <laughs> um, and uh, so thanks, gentlemen. Uh, and we will be right back. This is the More Money Show on WABC.
6: WABC.
3: Hey, it's Ryan Payne for this week's market update. And the hot streak continues on the street of dreams as the stock market rally continued this week. I'm optimism over China's reopening and slowing inflation. On the week, the tech-heavy Nasdaq posted its second consecutive week in the green of 4%, while the S&P rose 2%, and the Dow added another percent. In the last eight trading days, the rallying S&P 500 index has created more than $1 trillion in fresh investor wealth. The U.S. major index is now up over 4.5% for the year. Even more remarkable have been returns around the globe with the developed markets returning over 7% and the emerging markets up over 8 Keep in mind, we're only two weeks into the year. Data released Thursday showed that consumer prices climbed 6.5% in the 12 months through December, the slowest pace of inflation in about 12 months, suggesting the Fed has accomplished its mission of cooling financial conditions and may be able to stop raising interest rates as early as March. Bond yields fell in the news. Meanwhile, the labor market remains tight. New claims for jobless benefits remain at historically low levels, coming in at 205,000 in the week through December 31st. This combination of a strong job market and cooling inflation suggests that 2023 recession fears may be overhyped. Commodities such as crude oil and copper prices continued moving higher throughout the week, buoyed by China reopening optimism and a weaker dollar. And to top it off, earnings season kicked off Friday with the major banks largely beating Q4 expectations amid strong net interest income gains. JP Morgan and Bank of America both beat forecasts on earnings and revenue, another clear sign the economic and market conditions remain on solid footing. Clearly, the outlook of doom and gloom that has been so pervasive over the past year is starting to dissipate. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, you need to reposition your portfolio for the changing times. Well, here's your shot to do it. If you saved over a million dollars and you call our text at 844-752-6692, that's 844-752-6692. My father, Bob, and I, with our 75 years collective experience, can help you reposition for the future. Simply call our text at 844-752-6692.
1: Monday is Martin Luther King Day, and 77 WABC is commemorating all day long. We're honoring the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, the most visible spokesperson and leader of the civil rights movement, featuring celebrities, interviews, entertaining and informative talk. So our slogan must not be, burn, baby, burn. It must be, build, baby, build. Monday on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore.
2: Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show. This is Steve Moore. Thank you so much for listening in. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show that I want to hear from you. That I've reserved the rest of the show to hear your comments and questions and concerns about this u.s economy i was asking a specific question about whether you believe these statistics that inflation is only six and a half percent over the last year i went to the grocery store she's like man banned 20 percent more not six percent more so i wonder if you believe these numbers do you think that they're accurate is the government really reporting the true situation with our economy the other thing i wanted to ask you about i'll take some calls on this as well is you may have been following this story, if, especially if you're a New Yorker, because we have a uh, audience all over the East Coast. But New Yorkers know what I'm talking about. This war on gas stoves, uh, which has become kind of, kind of a hullabaloo in Washington. Biden first put out a, a, a trial balloon on this on Tuesday, and uh, Americans got so angry about this, especially women. You know, in my household, my wife does most of the cooking, not all of it, and she loves the you know, gas range, and she doesn't want an electric stove. But the government is now, through the Consumer Product Safety Commission, saying maybe you're going to have to buy an electric stove and no more gas stoves. Now, there's some controversy about that's whether or not the administration is actually going to push that policy. But my point is, there are a lot of places around the country where that's already happening, including New York, where the left has this crazy war on fossil fuels, and they somehow think that. You know, it's going to uh, save the planet if we if we don't use our gas stoves. But by the way, food is much better tasting when it's on a gas stove than an electric stove as well. So my question is, are they going to come after all your utensils? Now they they want to, you know, take the light bulbs out of your lamps in your living room and in your bedroom and in your kitchen. And, uh, you know, they got the, uh, the requirements with the new um, flush toilets, with the new... Um, With the new uh, washers and dryers, dishwashers, they don't seem to work as well as the old ones. Uh, And so (laughs) is this a war on American appliances we're seeing to somehow save the the world? I don't think that's a very good strategy, but um, there's no question that they are coming after your utensils. And I always like to say in the old days, remember in the 60s and 70s, the mantra of the left was sort of keep the government out of the bedroom. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's keep the government on the bedroom. Don't tell me what kind of heater I can use in my bedroom. Don't let tell me you know what kind of uh, you know light bulbs I can use in, in my bedroom. The, the government, this is Big Brother, folks. This is Big Brother telling you what to do. How do you like it? Uh, and so I want to hear from you all on this as well, especially the ladies. But let us get right down to it. We I understand we have one line still open. It's by the way that number. For the More Money hotline, 1-800-848-9222. So let's go to our first caller, Mr. Producer. Who have we got waiting?
6: The first caller is Tony from Clifton, New Jersey. Tony, thanks so much for calling. What do you got, my friend?
7: Hi. Listen, I definitely think the government should should cut down the government spending. But here's where I think we should concentrate. Um, I'm a a military person, and when I look at all the forts and bases worldwide and things that have been closed, and I think of COVID, I really Mm -hmm. think the government needs to take stock of all our facilities, have a presence in the world, use the bases for people to actually work during COVID. I thought they could have been putting together all the testing kits. I think the government needs to have a worldwide presence and protect it's domestic needs as well as worldwide needs, and government facilities keep economies going, and people need to be in the military, in a peacetime military. So this is where my focus is. I'm very passionate about it. I did serve in the well, military. Tony, you in...
2: said you were in the military. What 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 did you do for the
7: military? So I served in um, a telecommunications center in the 5th Signal Command in Germany from 74 oh, wow. to 76. Wow. And when I when I was in a peacetime army, I really saw the benefits of it. So,
0: mm-hmm.
7: again, it was right. after if so, I think the government can use all these facilities, not to mention right. the one we left in Afghanistan. Right. All right.
2: Got it. Great, Tony. Great point. Um, and uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for serving our great country. We need more young Americans to be. Serving in uniform. Um, I want to, before I get to our next caller, I want to mention I hope that everyone who listens to this show gets the More Money Hotline. Uh, And that is easy to get. All you have to do, and by the way, it's free. I'm not selling you anything, folks. And by the way, it doesn't even have any advertisements or anything like that. All you have to do is just sign up to get it. And and it's a great newsletter to, monitor every morning kind of the big stories that are going on in the economy. By the way, this is something you can read at five minutes. It's usually really short and bullet items, but, uh, Please sign up for it if you'd like it. And, by the way, uh, if you don't like it after getting it published five mornings a week, you can just unsubscribe. You can just say, I don't want to get this anymore. But I think you'll like it, and I think you'll get um, uh, some really good information from the More Money Hotline. And to get that, all you have to do is go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity website. That's Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And just Uh, send us your email and we'll start getting that to you right away. So the question I'm putting on the table, folks, is do you believe these inflation numbers? Do you believe these job numbers that are coming out? Um, And uh, on a second note, because I'm taking callers on two issues, what do you think about these ideas of banning uh, certain light bulbs and certain kinds of, uh, you know, uh, stoves that we use in our kitchen and our uh, washers and dryers, all these new regulations. How, what do you think about that? Is that maybe the nanny state <laughs> on steroids? Uh, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Mr. Producer. Who is our next caller?
6: Our next caller is Bob from Connecticut. Hi, Bob.
2: Thanks for calling.
8: Hi, Steve. First, what do you got uh, for us? the retirement people should stop using the age of sixty-five. Right now, uh-huh. the minimum the minimum retirement age is like sixty-six and six months. Mm-hmm. I I know historically people think sixty-five for Social Security, but no. Right now, the minimum is sixty-six years old and six months.
2: Mm-hmm.
8: So I I wish people no. would think that
2: what you, way. I mean what what's your point? I mean so you now that means to get Social Security, I thought you could get the wrong age before. What?
8: People use they always use the wrong age. They use the historical number oh, of 65. I see I got it. I so got it.
6: Be be yeah. honest,
8: the other the other issue is government spending. The military we wouldn't have to spend as much if we'd stop giving up our military arms or oh, leaving them in in to the enemy,
2: yeah, oh well, this is a really good point. by the way, thank you for your call and and the waste in government is so incredibly widespread. This gentleman makes a great point about what was the cost of all that equipment uh, that we left behind in Af- Afghanistan and basically handed over to our enemies. I mean that was billions and billions of dollars, folks, so this is a extremely wasteful. Uh, government. We've seen a report just came out the other day that if you look at the food stamps program, you look at the earned income tax credit, you look at the unemployment insurance program, you look at uh, Medicaid, Medicare, the PPP program, all these programs, I estimate about a half a trillion, 500 billion, not 500 million, not 500,000, 500 billion dollars was ripped off from these programs. And why is it nobody in Washington does anything about that? How dare they ask for more taxes or more spending when they can't even tell us where the last batch of spending came? Why are we giving more money to the Center for Disease Control when the Center for Disease Control totally screwed up COVID? Almost everything that they did was a mistake and they weren't capable of dealing with a a pandemic and now we're going to give them more money? That doesn't make any sense. So uh, by the way, I also want to hear from people about what your recommendation would be to cut out of this enormous $6 trillion budget that we're we're, uh, facing right now. Uh, 1-800-848-9222 is the more money hotline number. Mr. Producer, who is our next caller?
6: Our next caller is Joanne from New Jersey.
2: Hi, Joanne. What do you got for us?
7: Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just want to say I don't really care about the light bulbs, but um, I really need my gas stove. And the thing is, too, they say it's the a health risk for children. So what I do is just yeah. have my stove in the kitchen cracked the tiniest bit, and that gets rid of the toxic things in the air. Whereas like an electric stove, it could burn a child's hand because yeah. you don't know if it's
2: hot yeah. or not. So yep. Great great point. Awesome. Well, you know, um this issue of the stoves and the light bulbs, and here's my position, folks. The <laughs> I'm pro choice, right? I'm let, I'm for letting people and American consumers make their own choices about the things that we buy. Why is the government going to tell us what kind of car we can buy? I guarantee you, in many states it's already happening, they're going to require every, virtually every car that's sold in states like California to be an electric vehicle. Now, I'm not against electric vehicles. Uh, some of my best friends have electric vehicles. I've driven electric vehicles. They're amazing machines. I don't want one myself. But I respect people who have them. I bet a lot of people listening to this show are driving an electric vehicle right now. That's your God-given right. But what I don't like is the government telling us we have to buy an electric vehicle um, when there's a lot of good reasons people might not want to have one. And there's not even any real evidence that electric vehicles are any better for the environment than standard uh, cars. The pollution levels in our cities have fallen dramatically over the last 50 years, every single one of them. So it's not as if we have some kind of great pollution crisis in our cities that we have to, uh, uh, you know, require people to buy electric vehicles. So this is (laughs) consumer sovereignty is what I'm talking about. I I don't think the left likes the term sovereignty, by the way, because I'm believing in consumer sovereignty, that is the consumer makes the decision, and I'm also interested in... American national sovereignty. I don't believe in global globalism, this idea that we're going to put all this power into the United Nations and the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund and uh, the NATO. Thing. I mean, <laughs> we have got to put America first and we have to protect our sovereignty so that we don't have some kind of multilateral government that's telling us what we can and cannot do as free Americans. OK, Mr. Producer, who is our next caller?
6: Our next caller is Patricia from Long Island.
2: Oh, I'm so pleased that we have so many women calling in today, Patricia. Thanks for calling. What do you got?
0: Hi Steve, how are you? I just wanted to include um an, another additional problem that the government stuck their nose into. It was under Cuomo and he uh decided to take all the plastic bags away for gro- when you go to the grocery store. It is such a pain my poor husband cuz I don't I can't shop. My husband, he has the boxes in the car. He has to transport, you know, yeah. put the, all the groceries yeah. in the box, schlep them in the house. It's And he's a young guy. I don't know how other people do it. And we live in a house. So how do you do it in an apartment? I think it's just so cruel. And what the heck is all in, in the in the grocery stores? Everything is in plastic. The, uh, the, the laundry <laughs> yeah. detergent, the bottle of soda. I mean, so what are we doing?
2: So... Uh, Do you think that the it's Elizabeth? I think uh, is it. Do you believe that the inflation rate is only six and a half percent right now? No. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, it just seems like everything I have to buy when I go to a restaurant or when I go to the grocery store, fill up my tank—all these things—they're they're they're a lot more expensive (laughs) than they were when Trump was in office. And I just refuse to accept these numbers they're giving us. And by the way, thank you so much for your call. I mean, great points, but. I don't trust the numbers because I don't – I'm less and less, folks, I'm finding myself not trusting government at all, which is one reason one of the big issues we're going to be talking about week after week on this show is the idea of hiring 87,000 new IRS agents. That's crazy. 87,000 more people to harass us? Why can't we just have a simple tax system? <laughs> well, you know, Steve Forbes, my dear friend and, and my mentor – has talked for 25 years about the importance of having a flat tax, flatten out the tax, make it simple, make it as postcard return, get rid of the loopholes and special interest provisions, make it so you can fill out your tax forms in half an hour, not, you know, 8, 10, 12, 16, 25 hours. So all of these things could be done, should be done, in my opinion. I think we can squeeze in a few more callers. By the way, that number for our uh More Money Hotline today is one eight hundred-eight four eight nine two two two. We'd love to hear from you. And Mr. Producer, who is our next caller? Our next
6: caller is Pamela Pamela, excuse me, from Central Jersey. Hey Pamela,
2: thank you so much for calling. What do you think?
0: Hi. Um oh definitely. Um who's ever doing the inflation rate must be doing Abbott and Costello math. The inflation rate is twenty 20- <laughs> Is twenty percent, twenty percent, because yeah. just divide it by people and everything. The basic things that I buy, pet food, milk, yeah. etc., yeah. is going yeah. up twenty percent. Two dollars, one dollar.
2: You know, by the way, I hear that you know that I, that's not an uncommon number. Uh, when I ask people what you, you know your own inflation that you're facing, you know that's what they say twenty percent. So <laughs> I mean, I wonder how many people agree with you, but but I seem to sense that. You know, the things I have to buy,
0: they're up twenty percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. The six percent nonsense. It's a lie.
2: <laughs> anyway, well, great, great comment. Thank you for calling in. I'm so I'm I'm smiling right now because I always like to say that I'm I'm a, a little bit of a sexist on the show. I like to take the calls from the ladies, not the men. <laughs> but no, I love taking calls from men, but I prefer taking the calls from ladies because I I think they're smarter in a lot of ways. They have so many, so much horde sense about what's going on with this economy, which I'm very worried about. We, I think we have time for one or two more quick callers. If we have them, Mr. Producer, is there any other caller on the line?
6: Yes, we have Judy from New York
0: City. Judy, thanks for calling. What do you got? Uh, yes, sir. Um, I think that, uh, yes, you can't believe these stats and a lot of what this government does and says. Uh yes. I do think the spending should be according to division of a pie and its priorities first, not uh, what these uh, agreements with uh, world entities demand right. on right. our spending.
2: Well, uh, great point. I I couldn't agree more. I think that we the more we let international organizations makes decisions for us the more we're really surrendering our sovereignty as a nation we don't we don't need to what difference does it make what all these other countries think we should be doing what we think is best and and we are the country that has been the global leader and in so many different areas we're the most generous country in the world we've we've prevented world war wars three times now this past hundred years so this is a great, great, great country. We don't owe this to these, any, uh, these other countries that we should be giving away money that we don't have. And this is the point. I mean, we have to probably cut about every program by 10 or 15% just to get anywhere near a balanced budget. Now, my friend Rand Paul, who is one of the smartest guys in the Senate, he says if we could just go back to 2019 levels of spending, which was right where we were pre-pandemic, we wouldn't have a deficit. Do you know that, folks? All we have to do is go back to the budget that we had, what, four years ago, four or five years ago, and we wouldn't have to be running these massive deficits. If we have time for one more quick caller, we will take, we'll try to uh, shoehorn somebody in. If we have any more callers, Mr. Producer.
6: We do. We have uh, right now Stan from Forest Hills. Stan, thanks for
5: calling in. Uh, What recession? There is no recession. Actually, the economy is doing okay. Yes, we have inflation because of uh, supply demands, but actually the economy is speeding along softly and good. It isn't as bad. Yes, there's inflation because of supply demands, and that hopefully will get better. But don't talk to me about cutting this and that when we don't need major tax cuts for people like you okay that's the point okay and of course your real name is trump it doesn't surprise me but the country is yes has inflation and we're doing better than we were oil prices are down the lean prices are down, and this administration just passed an omnibus bill that will benefit us in the tri-state area. We pay five times taxes than most red states do, and we're going to be getting money back in programs. I think that's a pretty good deal. Well,
2: Stan, thank you for calling in. I am, I'm pleased. That I love it when we get uh, calls from people with different opinions and more liberal opinions than mine, so I appreciate your call. I think you have some good points. Now, let me just say this on this issue of taxes because – I was just looking at the numbers. Did you know that in 2022, the fiscal year that just ended, um, the United States government collected almost $5 trillion for the first time. And we are up almost 40% in um, tax revenues since the Trump tax cut of 2017. Many of you know that I had a little hand in that with Larry Kudlow and others in helping President Trump put together that plan. And a oh, my God, it's a big tax cut for the rich. The rich are getting all the benefits. now. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, it just seems like everything I have to buy when I go to a restaurant or when I go to the grocery store, or fill up my tank, all these things are they're, they're a lot more expensive than they were when Trump was in office. And I just refuse to accept these numbers they're giving us. And by the way, thank you so much for your call. I mean, great points. But I don't trust the numbers because I don't I'm less and less folks I'm finding myself not trusting government at all which is one reason one of the big issues we're going to be talking about week after week on this show is the idea of hiring 87,000 new IRS agents that's crazy 87,000 more people to harass us why can't we just have a simple tax system <laughs> well, you know Steve Forbes my dear friend and and my mentor has talked for 25 years about the importance of having a flat tax, flatten out the tax, make it simple, make it as postcard return, get rid of the loopholes and special interest provisions, make it so you can fill out your tax forms in half an hour, not, you know, 8, 10, 12, 16, 25 hours. So all of these things could be done, should be done, in my opinion. I think we can squeeze in a few more callers. By the way, that number for our uh, More Money Hotline today is one 9222 four eight nine two two two. We'd love to hear from you. And, Mr. Producer, who is our next caller?
6: Our next caller is Pamela. Pamela, excuse me, from Central Jersey. Hey, Pamela. Thank you so much for calling. What do you think?
0: Hi. Um, oh, definitely. Um, who's ever doing the inflation rate must be doing Abbott and Costello math. The inflation rate is twenty. 20- <laughs> Is twenty percent, twenty percent because just divide it by people and everything. The basic things that I buy, pet food, milk, et cetera, is going up twenty percent. Two dollars, one
2: dollar. By the way, I hear that you know that that's not an uncommon number. uh, When I ask people what you you know your own inflation that you're facing, you know that's what they say twenty percent. (laughs) So I I wonder how many people agree with you, but but I seem to sense that. You know, the things I have to buy,
0: they're up 20%. Absolutely. Absolutely. The six percent nonsense. It's a lie.
2: <laughs> anyway, well, great, great comment. Thank you for calling in. I'm so I'm I'm smiling right now because I always like to say that I'm I'm a, a little bit of a sexist on the show. I like to take the calls from the ladies, not the men. <laughs> but no, I love taking calls from men, but I prefer taking the calls from ladies because I I think they're smarter in a lot of ways. They have so many so much horse sense about what's going on with this economy, which I'm very worried about. We I think we have time for one or two more quick callers. If we have them, Mr. Producer, is there any other caller on the line?
6: Yes, we have Judy from New York City. Judy, thanks for calling. What do you
0: got? Uh yes, sir. Um I think that uh yes, you can't believe these stats and a lot of what this government does and says. Uh yes. I do think the spending should be according to division of a pie and its priorities first, not uh, what these uh, agreements with uh, world entities demand
2: right. on right. our spending. Well, uh, great point. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that we, the more we let international organizations make decisions for us, the more we're Really surrendering our sovereignty as a nation. We don't. We don't need to. What difference does it make what all these other countries think? We should be doing what we think is best, and and we are the country that has been the global leader and in so many different areas. We're the most generous country in the world. We've we've prevented world war uh, wars three times now this past hundred years. So this is a great, great, great country. We don't owe this to these, any, uh, these other countries that we should be giving away money that we don't have. And this is the point. I mean, we have to probably cut about every program by 10 or 15 percent just to get anywhere near a balanced budget. Now, my friend Rand Paul, who is one of the smartest guys in the Senate, he says if we could just go back to 2019 levels of spending, which was right where we were pre-pandemic. We wouldn't have a deficit. Do you know that, folks? All we have to do is go back to the budget that we had, what, four years ago, four or five years ago, and we wouldn't have to be running these massive deficits. If we have time for one more quick caller, we will take. We'll try to uh, shoehorn somebody in. If we have any more callers, Mr. Producer.
6: We do. We have uh, right now Stan
5: from Forest Hills. Stan, thanks for calling in. Uh, What recession? There is no recession. Actually, the economy is doing okay. Yes, we have inflation because of uh, supply demands, but actually the economy is speeding along softly. And good, it isn't as bad. Yes, there's inflation because of supply demands, and that hopefully will get better. But don't talk to me about cutting this and that when we don't need major tax cuts for people like you. Okay, that's the point. Okay, And, of course, your real name is Trump, which doesn't surprise me. But the country is, yes, has inflation, and we're doing better than we were. Oil prices are down. Gasoline prices are down, and this administration just passed an omnibus bill that will benefit us in the tri state area. We pay five times taxes than most red states do, and we're going to be getting money back in programs. I think that's a pretty good deal. Well,
2: Stan, thank you for calling in. I am I'm pleased that I love it when we get uh, calls from people with different opinions and more liberal opinions than mine. So I appreciate your call. I think you have some good points. Now, let me just say this on this issue of taxes because. I was just looking at the numbers, did you know that in 2022, the fiscal year that just ended, um, the United States government collected almost $5 trillion for the first time. And we are up almost 40% in um, tax revenues since the Trump tax cut of 2017. Many of you know that I had a little hand in that with Larry Kudlow and others in helping President Trump put together that plan. And everybody's, oh my God, it's a big tax cut for the rich. The rich are getting all the benefits. No, we, we saw more and more tax revenues in the last three years as a result of the stronger growth for the economy. So we have to do two things, folks. We have to grow the private sector economy with incentives for them to grow, and that includes our energy sector. And the other thing we have to do is take away resources from government. See, I don't, under, I don't agree with my friend Stan who says, oh, this omnibus bill is going to give us all this money. Well, <laughs> folks, you can't spend money you don't have. That story never has a happy ending. And that is what worries me about the direction of this country. I said it before, I said it again. I came to this City in Washington DC in nineteen eighty four and the debt was one point five trillion. Thirty-five or so years later, the, the debt isn't one point five trillion, it's thirty-one point five trillion. And if people and if Americans are asleep on how dangerous this is with low growth and high debt. I'm fearful, folks. I hope I'm wrong about this. I don't want to see this country fall into recession. And that's why we have to get government funding out of control, produce more oil and gas, get control of water, fight crime in our city, get back to the things that we know will work to make America strong, healthy, and prosperous. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show. We're on every Saturday on WABC from 1 to 2 p.m. Help everybody has A great, great rest of your weekend, and we will see you next weekend. This is Steve Moore on WABC.
9: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.